Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Giants are on in the National League Division Series, as if there would be any doubt. And as Craig Goldstein just put it on Twitter, uh, let me get it for the exact quote because it was perfect. Quote, the important thing to remember here is that in a series between the Giants and Cubs, we all lose. Yeah, that's the thing. It was like with the Red Sox in 04. Everyone's rooting for the Cubs right now because there's a likable team. Uh, they haven't won it in forever. A bajillion but the, years. the second they win... Everything you remember that you hated about Cubs fans is going to be magnified by about 40,000. They, they're going to become the most insufferable people. On and they already Earth. are. And they already are. But they're going to become so insufferable. It will be unbearable. That's the thing is like I, I rooted against the Red Sox in 2004 because I already hated Red Sox fans because I remember in 2003, the interleague series between the Rockies and Red Sox at Coors Field when I was confronted for the first time by Red Sox fans. And I was like, wow, I <laughs> wish all of the yes. worst things on you people. Um, and then they proceeded to win like every title in every sport for the next decade. Um, but yeah, Cubs fans. Including one against the Rockies. Yeah, exactly. Which is, which is terrific. Um, that I love that Samir Caliph on, uh, on Deadspin yesterday who wrote the whole thing about Dane Cook and how he's haunted by Dane Cook's um, commercials for the 2007 postseason. Only one. October. There's only one October. He was like, um, oh, yeah, and it's made so much worse because I'm a Red Sox fan. When I think about my team winning the World Series, I have to think of those commercials. Oh, it must be yeah. so brutal for you. It must yeah. be really rough. Yeah. Oh, I my really, God. I really weep for you, Samir. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, and Cubs fans, having not won a pennant since 45 and a series since 1908, as John Candy belted out in Rookie of the Year, they're already as bad or worse than Red Sox fans, and they haven't won a World Series in 108 years. I was yeah. in uh, in New York last week, saw a, a friend that I went to college with. She said, so do you think the Cubs are going are gonna to win it this year because she lives in Chicago? And I said, absolutely not. And she said, why? And I said, because I will want to jump off this building if that happens. Yeah, if that's the thing, man. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Because this whole series coming up next, it's you, you really want the Cubs to dispense with the even year stuff. I want to just get rid of that right away as soon as possible. Well, after this and game. like, there's no real basis. Like, that doesn't actually have an effect on anything. But now, after no, three not, times the, going into four, uh, now it's like, huh. 
I, I want. <laughs> we do to have to talk it. about this. I want to stop yeah. it now. Yeah, I want. I want to talk about the Cubs and the LCS. Plus, I get to travel for the LCS if we if the Cubs make it. So I want okay. that to happen for sure. Um, and I do not want to deal with even year baloney, as it were. Yep, I'm with you. It is. I'm with it's, you. It's such an easy narrative and a lazy one for people to fall back on when they come to try to talk about baseball, and I can't stand it, basically. I don't know, man. I'd be kind of totally okay with it if they just rolled the Cubs next uh, round. Uh, no, absolutely not. No. I think it would no, be no, hilarious. No, 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 no. No. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll live in L.A. and take the Dodgers beating the Cubs if it has to come to Well, me. yeah. No, I'd be okay with that, too. I mean, I will, full disclosure, hey, by the way, I'm Tyler Mullen. Oh, and I'm Anthony Masterson. And this is episode number 89 of the Purple Dinosaur Podcast, in which we talk about Colorado Rockies baseball, which we will do here in uh, in just a short bit. A but we bit, are recording yeah. this um, a little bit before 10 o'clock Mountain Time on Wednesday, the 5th of October. And the San Francisco Giants just advanced to the National League Division Series. Um, so, yeah, I uh, like all uh, this is probably going to make me um, a, a bit of a pariah. But of these teams, of these eight teams that are in it now, I'm pulling for the Dodgers because if they make the World Series, Vince Scully has to come back for at least something, right? Like an inning or something? I mean, he seems to say that he's not going to, but he hasn't called a World Series since 1988. He's going to pass that up now? He can't. I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. I hope not. But that's why I'm pulling yeah. for them, just so we can get to that position and then see. And then, if they make it to the World Series and Vin goes, no, I said October 2nd is October 2nd, well, then screw it all, and they don't. Yeah. I'm, I'm not pulling for them there. Yeah. But, um, you know. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the playoff field is set in Major League Baseball, and the, uh, the series – um, provide some pretty interesting matchups. Um, the uh, the National League semifinals, semifinals. Semi- I guess what you the hell are them. you talking about? What am I talking about? <laughs> semifinals. The National League What's, Division Series. The National League but, Division Series. Like the Denver Post reporting on baseball. The head coach of the Colorado Rockies. Take well, we will two. get to in a second. Um, yeah, the NLDS uh, looks. Uh, I would say more compelling than the American League series. The the Toronto. Texas matchups interesting because of the the fireworks earlier on in the season between those two teams, but like the Indians and Red Sox, like eh, okay, it's it's talented teams. It's going to be really good baseball, but the storylines aren't exactly the same thing. Um, on the National League side, though, I love these matchups. Giants Cubs, good matchup. I think if yeah. if anything, um, you know, this is a matchup. I really feel like this is the matchup that gives the Cubs more trouble than what the Mets would have because the Mets don't go into it with Harvey. They don't go into it with DeGrom. They don't go into it with, you know, this legion of arms that they had coming into the season. By the way, what the hell ever happened to Zach Wheeler? Uh, He had Tommy John surgery in like 1974 and he hasn't come back from it. The Springfield mystery spot took another victim. Yeah, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's a very good reference. Joins Ozzie Smith. That was very... That was very good. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they've, you know, this whole group, none of them are healthy except for center guard. So, you know, they, they burn center guard tonight. So then they go out and they throw Bartolo in game one and then what? Bart Lester in game one. Come that on. Been, that would have been pretty sexy. Pretty sexy. But, um, yeah, so I, I think that the, the Giants are a more interesting matchup because when you look past Madison Bumgarner, Johnny Cueto, look at what Johnny Cueto's been able to do in the postseason. Matt Moore every once in a while can catch lightning in a bottle. Jake Peavy – 
it, for some reason, was the guy who said farewell to the fans after the, the regular season finale uh, in which they clinched the playoff berth. I still think of Jake Peavy as a Padre. Yeah, wow. It hasn't been a Padre in like a decade, but I still think of him as a Padre. Um, but I, li- I like the matchups in the National League. Kershaw against Scherzer tomorrow. Like, I have to sit down when I think about that. Or on Friday. Oh, it's going to be Friday, pretty awesome. Tomorrow. Yeah, you can tune in on FS1. Yeah, there you go. Um, so uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun little run. It's gonna be yeah, a fun little run through the playoffs. I think, I think so. Um, you can catch most of it on FS1 and Big Fox. Um, okay, well, it's, this is an unpaid podcast, Anthony. You don't need to be doing that. Please, I'm getting paid. I'm getting paid by the word. <laughs> what? What? By the word, like the old Stephen Colbert bit. Yes. The exactly. word. Ching. All right. So let's let's get into it. Playoff field is set, and one of the eight teams is not the Colorado Rockies. So I, I'm as shocked as you are. <laughs> with that, there are some things to discuss. Um, here is the story from Rockies.com from, uh, you know, I'll call him our, our pal, Thomas Harding. Hasn't blocked us yet. He's always nice to me when he sees me in the press box. Our pal, Thomas Harding. I'm going to punch you in the throat. Sorry. Yes. Whenever I see Thomas Harding, he's always very nice to me as well. And I'm not sure he even knows me at all. I've introduced myself a couple of times, but that's pretty much it. No, I think he hates you. Quote. <laughs> he told me he hates you. Walt Weiss stepped down as the Rockies manager and general manager Jeff Breidich concurred with the decision, both said on Monday, which is the weirdest lead I've ever read to a story. Weiss's contract expired at Sunday's season's end, and whether he would continue is up to a decision between him and the club. With Breidich serving as the point man, Weiss was 283 and 365 in four seasons as the Rockies manager. Colorado finished the just completed season 75 and 87. Now, that being said, the Rockies 75 and 87 finish this year was a seven win improvement over 2015, but uh, always felt like this was coming. We always felt like this was coming. He was hired by Dan O'Dowd to replace Jim Tracy after the dumpster fire that was the 2012 season. Dan O'Dowd. We're not going to spend much time talking about Dan O'Dowd because what is the point talking about Dan O'Dowd? Talking about Dan O'Dowd is, you know, like it's like talking about the Edsel. Um, it's gone and it's buried. <laughs> it's like talking about too low. Yeah, basically at this point. Um, so we're not going to we're not going to do that conversation. But, um, you know, I think I think the Rockies, to an extent, in the hiring of Walt Weiss, got swept up in the early 2010s Denver sports phenomena of let's go out and hire somebody who was a fan favorite as a player. And it sure. worked out for the Broncos. It did not work out for the Avalanche in terms of Patrick Wadley. Joe Sackett. Yeah, they had the one year they made the run of the playoffs. Should have won that series against Minnesota. Joe Sackett, you know, has been a, I think would say a, a decent executive. Okay. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, aside from that, and I'm actually a little bummed because what would have been the best fit of all of that would have been Chauncey Billups joining the Nuggets in some type of front office capacity, but that never worked yeah. out. Yeah. Instead, they just had to jettison George Carl and, uh, and the GM Masai Ujiri and all the good talent that they have and cultivated and the goodwill they go, they cultivated in the city of Denver and all that good stuff. This is a Nuggets town, man. Yeah, Nuggets town. Nuggets town. Um, but I think to an extent the Rockies got swept up in that. You know, I think if you asked Dan, o- Dan O'Dowd, he would squint into a camera and very beatly eye uh, deny that. But um, he's, not, he's not Canadian. Well, yeah, he could be a secret Canadian. <laughs> Just flapping heads and beady eyes. 
<laughs> but, um, you know, in 2012, the franchise needed some goodwill. They had squandered the best teams in franchise history into nothingness. They forced a guy like Jim Tracy, who's a lifelong baseball man, to basically just scratch his head and say, I don't know what the hell to do <laughs> here, <out>. and quit. <laughs> after he had been given a lifetime contract, by the uh, way. A handshake agreement. Um, now, this is... This it was is, a gentleman's agreement. <laughs> according to Harding's story, quote, Weiss was hired by former Rockies chief baseball officer Dan O'Dowd to replace Jim Tracy after the 2012 season, but Weiss never worked directly with O'Dowd because the team was run by senior vice president of Major League Operations Bill Guy Vett. Oh, house. Oh, those were the days. Is that not the most perfect indictment of the Dan O'Dowd administration? Yeah. Kinda. I'm going to make a hire here, but uh, not going to be working with you. I'm over here on this side. Sorry, yeah. bud. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I drew this hell? line down the middle of the clubhouse. This is my You got to stay on your own damn side. <laughs> stay on your own side. What the hell? Like, God, what a laughing stock. Um, so, anyway, uh, Walt Weiss told Thomas Harding, quote, I just felt like the working relationship between myself and Jeff wasn't a cohesive one or a productive one. That's the bottom line. It was just best for everybody. Breidich concurred with that and said, quote, I would agree with Walt that it was time to move on, and I think over the course of two years with he as manager and me as the GM, we put in a lot of work to try to make the relationship work. I'm proud of that, that we committed to each other moving forward. It could have been different when the changes were made in the front office two years ago. Now, I remember sitting at Jeff Breidich's introductory press conference, and that was the point that he hammered home. We want increased, enhanced communication between Walt and his staff and the front office. That was the ultimate goal. And I just think, from my standpoint, if I had to handicap what happened, Jeff Breidich had his ideas of how the team should be managed. Walt Weiss, old school baseball guy, didn't agree with him. And that's where I think the rift probably began. I don't have uh, an inside source telling me that, but that's what everything seems to be pointing toward. And that's really what makes the most sense. And as we have talked about so many times on this podcast, Jeff Breidich, since he took over, has never been afraid to put his stamp on things in any way. I think, in fact, he wanted to put a stamp in literally every facet of yeah. the organization. And he and say, should. My name is Jeff Breidich. And this He's is a my GM. Team. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So the interesting thing now is what happens next. And what makes it even more intriguing is the fact that Jeff Breidich is only under contract through next season. So that, to me throws a wrench into the idea of the next managerial hire because does Jeff Breidich then choose to go a safer route, go with a less daring candidate of some kind in order to hopefully capitalize on all this talent that's here, but not put himself out there in a risky situation where all of a sudden if things go haywire, then, hey, you're out and the manager's out. Sure. Your thoughts? I mean, you are inheriting, this new manager will be inheriting an incredibly talented and very young team next year who is poised to take the next step. And that is not what really any manager for the Rockies has ever had before in his initial year. You can argue Jim Tracy, I guess, but he was also a midseason hire, obviously after the firing of Clint Hurdle, the team made the playoffs that year in 2009. So you're going to want a guy who can, who's able to communicate with young players, but who is also able to put together a, different mindset maybe than an old-school baseball guy necessarily would. I mean, we saw a few things that Jeff Breidich had an influence on Walt Weiss, especially with the number of defensive shifts the team employed. The team was had the most defensive shifts in the National League this year, uh, fourth most in all of baseball. Only the Astros, Rays, and Mariners had more 
than the Rockies this season. So we saw a little bit there, but you also saw Weiss not necessarily grasp the concept of bullpen management, lineup construction, and it didn't seem like they were really ever on the same page. Now, for Jeff Bridish to want to hire a guy, he's going to want to find a guy who is able to be well-versed in the, I don't even want to say new ways that baseball is moving now because it's been almost a decade or more in a lot of these different things with shifts and and putting more emphasis on on strikeouts and home runs, et cetera. So you're going to want a guy who has maybe been like a, a bench coach or something along those lines, a pitching coach, hitting coach with maybe a new school organization like like the Rays were or even the Red Sox, the Cubs now under Joe Madden's squad, even though they don't shift hardly at all. You know, Joe Madden has been very much an outside-the-box kind of thinker wherever he's been, whether it's been in, uh, in the, with the Angels in Tampa or now Chicago. Um, I know Brian Kilpatrick has mentioned this name a lot on Twitter, but Dave Martinez, uh, ex-big ex leaguer, has been the bench coach for Joe Madden for the Cubs the last two years, and he is probably going to be a very, very hot managerial candidate. Uh, Bud Black is a guy whose name was always thrown around with the Rockies, even when he was a uh, manager of the Padres. Um, he's interviewing with the Braves today, um, so or uh, soon, I guess. So maybe he might not be on the running anymore. But in my opinion, it's going to be going to have to be a guy who has experience with a winning team in a, maybe a behind-the-scenes way in a coach role, whether it's bench, hitting, pitching, whatever, with a team who's been very, very good, very successful, and a team who has adapted more to the the new style of play that we have seen in the last ten years. Jeff Breidich has said that the uh, the Rockies are going to entertain candidates both internally and externally. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I think uh, everything you said is is a valid point. Um, I A couple of years ago, uh, I was asked the question, if the Rockies decided to let go of Walt Weiss, who inside the organization would be somebody that they would look to because that seems to be the MO. Obviously it was when Clint Hurdle was fired, Jim Tracy was promoted from bench coach. When Dan O'Dowd was whatever the hell happened there, they walked down the hallway and hired Jeff Breidich. Um, is as the saying goes, I think Jeff Breidich was more than talented, more than deserved his job and has done a really good job since then. Um, Glenn Allen Hill was the name that I said at the time. And that is a name that has now come out in the conversation as well. He's been the, the manager of AAA Albuquerque the last couple of seasons. It was a AAA Colorado Springs before that. There's also word that the Rockies are going to interview Eric Young, which I find interesting. Um, one thing that I love about that, and if Stu Cole got in the mix, I would love that about this too. Yeah. Minority candidates. I, I love that. Uh, yeah, yeah. The Rockies. It's becoming a rare thing anymore. Yeah, and you know what? It's really, as, as far as African-American players go, the Rockies – Throughout franchise history, I think have traditionally lagged behind in that regard. Um, when you think back on Rockies rosters of seasons past, you know there's Preston Wilson and uh, Juan Pierre, and they have Charles had Johnson. talented players. Charles Johnson, um, who came through at the back end of his career, but you don't look at the Rockies. You know the Rockies Mount Rushmore, unless you wanted to make the argument for Ellis Burks. Um, there haven't been a lot of African American athletes that have come through Denver uh, on this roster and have really been uh, a focal point. And I'm not saying that that's something that the Rockies have avoided. Um, you know, it's been a, a major league wide thing for the last 30 years or so, and those numbers right. are turning around. But I think that'd be really cool if the Rockies, if the Rockies said, "Hey, these are our, our some of our managerial candidates," and it was Glenn Allen Hill, Eric Young, and maybe Stu Cole. I think that'd <laughs> be, be really awesome. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, so, but beyond those guys, um, there is a name, uh, you. Know, like to, Dave Martinez, it's possibly in the mix. Ron Washington, another one, maybe. Um, I can't believe that I'm going to say the next words that I'm going to say. Hunter Pence. Hunter Player Pence. manager. <laughs> Player manager, Hunter Pence. Um, 
No, but this quote you will never hear me say again. Bobby DeMuro had a very good idea. I'm not letting Bobby manage the Rockies. <laughs> God, no. Just be. They'd have like Kardashian themed uniforms and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, my God. I cannot God. imagine. Um, but no, Bobby had a really good point. Um, there is a manager in the Diamondbacks organization. This will never happen. But there is a manager in the Diamondbacks organization who I, by gathering from reading his story, Bobby loves, and I also love, named J.R. House, um, who has been a manager in the D-back system um, for the last handful of seasons. He's only 36, but he is a very successful manager as his track record goes in the minor leagues. Uh, He was a hitting coach at two stops, rookie level Missoula in 2012 and Class A short season Hillsborough in 2013. But since then... He took the managerial job in Hillsborough in 2014, won a league title, um, and then was in Class A Advanced Visalia this past season, um, as well as uh, a finals appearance there. And so it's uh, this is a guy who is not somebody that anybody knows or is aware of, but is a name to keep in mind. He's not going to be hired for this job. I'm sure he's not interviewing for major league jobs, but that's a name to keep in mind going forward. When you think about, like, where do these guys come from? Guys like that are the ones to keep in mind. Remember when we were in Myrtle and Super Joe McEwing was the name Super on everybody's Joe. lips in yeah. Winston-Salem? And the then White he's Sox. getting third base gigs. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? Yeah. Third base gigs, third base coaching gigs, and bench coaching gigs in the major leagues, that's kind of the equivalent of being an offensive defensive yeah. coordinator in the NFL, where when you want to know the next hire, look at those positions. Um, so keep an eye on the name J.R. House because, as Bobby suggested, I think he would be one hell of a – I mean, it would definitely be a stir-the-pot type of move. It'll never happen. Um, but he is – a really, really fascinating guy, um, and I think that story deserves a read. It's up on Purple Row right now. Um, but the one name that I really want to hone in on, what are your thoughts on Bud Black? Because I felt like Bud Black really got railroaded in San Diego, was sure. a very underappreciated manager uh, for the the teams that he had prior to 2015. I think Bud Black did more with those teams than a lot of managers would have been able to. He's got a lot of Denver baseball connections, a lot of Rockies connections. Your thoughts on Bud Black? Oh, I got got a chance to work with Bud Black for the uh, last couple of years. He's done a couple of random bits with with Fox. He did our um, our Sabermetric simulcast we did in the 2013 NLCS. Uh, he came in, was in studio with us, and Gabe Kapler and CJ Nikowski and all those guys. So I've got a chance to work with him a few times, and he's really, really fun, really bright. Um, like I said, he's I don't know why he was always the one who was perpetually mentioned every single time the uh, Rockies had an opening or rumblings about a Rockies opening for manager because he was always thought of as a pitching guru. He was the Angels pitching coach forever when they were doing really well. Um, they need the Padres. Of course, the pitching was always good with San Diego, partly because of the ballpark and partly because he's a good pitching coach. And so they thought, oh, well, if he's such a good pitching coach, maybe he can fix the Rockies. Um, and yeah, you're right. He did get railroaded in San Diego a little bit, um, but that organizations in such a state of disarray anyway. So it's not really a surprise at all. Um, I don't know. I, he, he's, he'd be a very interesting candidate. Like I said, he's uh, going to interview with the Braves this week. Um, so who knows? He may want to take that gig considering it's going to be pretty cushy. You don't have to win anything at all down there because nobody cares about the Braves. You get a brand new ballpark. Um, I don't know. I think if you're going to go the, the pitching heavy route, he's got to be in your, your top three candidates. I don't even know who the other two would be. If you're going to go a pitching coach, 
I think that's the, the guy you got to aim for if you're the Rockies. I, I think it'd be interesting. You know, I mean, I think Bud Black is um, he's still a pretty traditional manager, but you that's know, the, as, yeah, you have to be able to aim for somebody who can right. be amenable to what you're trying to put forth on the, there was a product on the field. I um, you know, I also think that we have seen. And we've discussed this, but we've seen in somebody like Clint Hurdle that old dogs can can change their ways when they get into situations yeah. where they're kind of told, hey, man, this is the way this is going to go. And not only can they change their ways, but they can buy in. I mean, I think at the outset, right. Clint Hurdle was a guy, I don't want to say following orders, but kind of learning his place on that that Pirates chain of command. And then I really think he started to buy into it with the, the way they were resting players this year, the way they managed the pitching staff, the way they built lineups. Um so I don't think that if they hire Bud Black, it necessarily means, oh, look at them. They're just going out and getting, you know, Walt Weiss with a different set of ears. Um, right. You know, so so that's a possibility. I mean, um, he's a lot more handsome than Walt Weiss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, right. here's the thing about Walt Weiss, though. Like, sneaky ripped. Walt, oh, yeah, like, no, yeah, yeah, Walt yeah, is, a, Walt is yeah. a house, man. Like, he's just... Yeah. It's terrifying. Oh, there was a really funny moment last night. Uh, we had the, I was at work. We were watching the, um, the Blue Jays-Orioles game, and we get the backlog on it. And if you don't know what that is, the backlog is basically the clean feed. So we're, we're not getting the actual feed that's going on television. We're getting – when they go to commercial break on television, it's just a shot of the booth. You can hear like, the broadcasters talking amongst themselves between innings, and then all of a sudden they, uh, and they come back. They're all normal again. So I was watching the backlog, and it was Ron Darling talking – uh, to Ernie Johnson about Walt Weiss. And he was talking about a play that Tulo just made, the diving stop that Tulo made the other night. And he was saying, one time I was pitching and Walt Weiss really scared me. Or he, he had a had to come up to me after, after the play and he said, because I hit a ground ball or somebody hit a ground ball to short and Weiss made a diving stop and I didn't think he was going to get to the ball. So when he got to it and got up to throw, I let out a scream. I said, yeah. And Walt made the throw, came up to me afterwards on the mound and he said, hey, Ron, you can't do that to me, man. I, you scared me when you yelled. I almost took the ball into the stands. And I was like, I was trying to picture Walt Weiss being like, like actually physically frightened and showing some emotion. I'm not. He said, "Oh man, I was I was scared. You can't do that to me." Said, wow, I can't even imagine Walt Weiss being showing any kind of emotion whatsoever, especially being frightened. That is really something. Yeah. Wowzers. Um. Yeah, no, and it is kind of, you know, and Nolan Arnato gave uh, some quotes to the local, um, I guess we'll call it a newspaper, uh, quote, at the same time, well, let's start with his, his previous quote. This is uh, from the day after Walt Weiss announced his resignation. Quote, I want to see someone with some fire and energy, someone who can light a fire under the guys. At the same time, we need a guy who understands the players and has their back. I thought Walt was very good at that. He always had your back. Walt understands how tough this game is and what a grind it is over a long season. There's a lot to unpack in a little bit of yeah. quote there. Just a little bit. Um, and there was also there was a quote from Adam Onovino in which Adam said something along the lines of, you know, Walt's always been great to me, but I don't make those decisions. That's not... <laughs> 
That's not a dude fighting for his manager's job. That is a lukewarm at best. Yeah, a lukewarm endorsement at best. Tepid endorsement. Um, and from a guy who, for my money, is the smartest athlete in town. Um, and Adam Ottavino, I think, is the the type of dude who, if I was going to hire a manager one day, it would be somebody like Adam Ottavino. Just intensely cerebral, and I think somebody who has a really good perception of what's going on around him. And for somebody like that, or for somebody like Nolan to come out and say, you know, I, I like this about him, but I think we need this. In order to to say that, that is a feeling that's been brewing for a long time. Walt Weiss, oh, we've yeah. talked about this a lot. Super nice dude. The The label of him being a high school manager is so unfair because Weiss was a special assistant to the Rockies for a long time. He was basically an extra member of the coaching staff for a long time. You know, a dude who's played in the World Series, a guy who knows what it takes, quote-unquote, to win baseball games. But was not the right hire at the time um, and just never really showed the type of growth as a manager that the Rockies needed to see. And I think that clubhouse, you know, this season when they're hanging around contention, I think you need to feel like everybody's in it. And I never got that sense that you walked in the clubhouse every day and it was like, hell yeah, let's go to work. We've got a a captain who's leading this ship. We know where we're going. We know what it takes to get to the postseason. Let's do this. It was more kind of, well, this is some uncharted territory, isn't it? You know? (laughs) Well, this is neat. I don't think I've been in this position before. (laughs) We're, We're over 500 at the end of July. So it just, you know, Walt Weiss, like, we wish Walt Weiss all the best. Hope he lands somewhere good. And, you know, Walt Weiss is the type of guy, even if he doesn't land somewhere good, he's got more money than God. Uh, you know, he <laughs> the reason – and he even said the reason that he took the job at Regis High School to be the head coach, he wanted to do something to give back to the community. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Walt Weiss is a terrific guy. He's going to be good wherever he goes, wherever he lands, whatever he ends up doing. If he ends up opening a, you know, a batting cage and giving lessons for the rest of his life, he's an awesome dude. I'd have my kids learn from him someday, but yeah. not a not a major league manager. That being and, said, I'm and very glad they, they made the decision to not Absolutely. renew him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so if you're going to keep a, a list going of who some of these candidates could be, and the good guys at Purple Row, of course, have put together a couple of stories on this, um, but the, the eyes seem to be settling on uh, Glenn Allen Hill will certainly get some consideration. Right. Eric Young, it sounds like he will get some consideration. Stu Cole could be in that conversation as well. And again, three African-American candidates. I think that's awesome. The Rockies, yep. their first manager in franchise history. Don Baylor was a, an African-American manager. And by the way, Don Baylor, like you look back at the the seasons that the Rockies were just – Don Baylor's 484 winning percentage is the best of any manager – outside of Jim Tracy and franchise history. And Don Baylor started with an expansion team. Yeah, that's pretty tough to that do. That should not be possible. Yeah. How on earth? Walt Wise, by the way, the worst of all six Rockies managers of yeah, 437 sure in his, in his uh, four seasons. But I, I just think it's, um, you know, Don Baylor is criminally underappreciated um, in Rockies history for what he was able to do. But uh, those guys, Dave Martinez, Bud Black, I think is part of the conversation. If you start hearing names like Don Wakamatsu, I would be uh yeah, I'd be like yeah. a little or like Ron Gardenhire. I'd be oh, like a little I'd be a God. little be a little concerned hard, about that. Hard pass. Yeah. Um one guy I, I want them I want them to take a chance, man. I don't know. Find somebody new, find some new blood and not in a way that it's going to be 
Walt Weiss. One guy I who I would really, that, but... yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and one dude who I think would be a a very interesting person to at least bring in for a conversation is Pat Murphy. Um, and we talked about Pat Murphy last year when we thought there was a chance that Walt Weiss was going to get canned. But um, Pat Murphy was, you may recall, the interim manager of the Padres at the uh, end of last season after Bud Black got fired. He was not brought on for the uh, the Padres gig this year. Um, but a legendary career as the head coach at Notre Dame and then especially at Arizona State. He was at Arizona State from 1995 to 2009. Um, and was, I mean, he was Baseball America's Coach of the Year in 1998. He was Pac-10 Coach of the Year four times. They went to the College World Series four times under him. Um, I think Pat Murphy is the type of guy that Nolan Arenado's talking about. A dude who definitely is fiery, definitely can light some people up, but also is a player's manager because when you come from the college game, you know uh, that quote-unquote brotherhood a little bit differently than just what it is professionally because in college it's all the dudes with the the eye black and they're rubbing the dirt on their faces and they're all lunatics but it really is that is a family mentality because you're all in the same boat you're all in that shared suffering you're not getting paid you're traveling around to some brutal road trips it's like the minor leagues without even that uh pittance of a salary right um so i like that about pat murphy i think that could play well here Um, and you know, it's a guy who has major league managerial experience. He's currently the bench coach on Craig council staff in Milwaukee, um, and did pretty decently as the interim manager of the Padres last year. And I know at the end of last season, 42 and 54 overall. Yeah. And that team was a dumpster fire. Yeah. That team sucked. But at the end of last season, I know there were a lot of guys on that roster who were stumping for him to get that permanent job, um, which they didn't, uh, the Padres did not bring him on. Uh, for 2016, but it's another name to think about. I don't know if that's going to be part of the conversation, but hey, they listen to the podcast at 20th of Blake. Maybe Jeff Bright is going, oh yeah, I hadn't thought about Pat Murphy. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Hi. How are Hi, you? Jeff. Hi. 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 Thanks for tuning so in. So anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so those are some of the names. I don't know. Anybody else? You know, I think they should hire Jim Leland. <laughs> bring him back why the hell not worked out well last time yeah jim leland sure. in his one season 72 and 90 and then said that the rockies made him hate baseball <laughs> basically that was, <laughs> Pretty much that's fun is. yeah why basically don't they just go back and hire david need okay could finally could finally ban connor from i was going gonna to say connor would never be allowed at coors field again and that would be kind of hilarious Kind of hilarious. Um, yes. So that's where we sit. Um, the Rockies presumably are starting interviews or are, you know, in the middle of interviews or something with interviews. I don't know. Um, but we'll probably have more clarity on that, I would imagine, by next week. I can't imagine that this is going to take that long. Um, the issue, of course, is if you want to interview somebody who is on a staff that's still taking part in the postseason – Probably, probably not going to happen. You got to wait. Um, but that being said, I don't really know of anybody on these staffs that the Rockies would really, really be looking at. Um, so I don't uh, know. I don't know. I know Glen Allen, Glen Allen Hill would be a very unpopular choice, I think, with a lot of other people, yeah. people around baseball because it would seem like it's the easy way out. But Glen Allen Hill has been a guy who 
is really, really respected among all the players that come through AAA or whatever he, wherever he was, even with the Rockies, and he was the first base coach here. He's seen the minor league guys. He's worked in altitude. He knows the drill. And it seems like a lot of guys really do like him. I would not be surprised if he becomes one of the finalists for that job. Yeah, no, I would agree. Um, so hopefully uh, over the next couple of weeks we'll have some more clarity on this and maybe a higher. Um, but, yeah, it did not sound like the Rockies were, uh, you know, traveling along the uh, easiest stream. Ken Rosenthal tweeted on the day Walt Weiss announced his resignation. Weiss said the relationship, quote, wasn't healthy, wasn't productive. He discussed possible compromises with Monfort, but ultimately stepped down. Um, you know, that also behind the scenes brings the idea of just how much is Dick Monfort really involved. And I think all of us are hoping not at all. Uh, it seems like it's too much, no matter how much it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, Sorry, you know, Dick, if you're listening. I guess sorry, we'll see. sorry, Dick. Guess we'll see. Um, so, okay, let's uh, let's continue the conversation. One, David John LeMayhew, who you may know as DJ, uh, is your 2016 National League batting champion. Woo! Woo! DJ, woo! DJ LeMayhew's first I- full season of Major League Baseball. Um, was the 2013 season in which Deej slashed 280, 311, 361, 673 OPS. Um, not horrendous, and eh, not that good. His next full season, the following year, he played in 40 more games, 149 games, and he batted 267, 315, 348. So the OPS actually dipped to 663. In the last two seasons, he's posted averages of 301 and now a National League best 348 and OPSs of 746 and 911. DJ LeMayu, I don't recall ever seeing an offensive remaking like this ever. No, and 11 home runs, too, were as many as he'd hit the entire previous two seasons combined. He's cut down on his strikeouts. He's increased his walk rate. He's seeing a lot more pitches. Uh, he always still has that patented shoot the ball the other way kind of hit. 32 doubles was a career high. Eight triples was a career high as well. 192 hits, 104 runs scored. Pretty much every conceivable category he knocked his career high in this year. It was, and it was, it was fun to watch all year. Fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm sure and I'm sure that everybody is totally thrilled that DJ LeMayhew won the batting title. Am I, am I everybody. Right about that? Everybody around, around the country. Everybody Everyone's from coast to coast. Has been sending their congratulations. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. Yeah. They're buying billboards on Auraria Parkway to congratulate him. Can't get enough. It's been great. Um, Times Square. Yeah, yeah, that's what I heard. They're sending a satellite. It's going to project things onto the moon. They're naming a star Beach. after him. It's been terrific. It has been terrific. Um, the KC Galaxy. We have the best, the best hitters. Our hitters are the best. It's huge. What? Um, I tried to be topical. Was that not topical? I hope not. God, let's hope not. Um, but no, there there seem to be some people who want to what's the term? Piss in the Cheerios. Some people were rankled. They were of, rankled. Uh, well, yeah. and we're not. I'm not gonna. I'm not. We're not going to discuss uh the sports anchor on NBC, and we're not going to discuss uh, on Nine News. I should say the NBC affiliate, but he's not on NBC. He's on Nine News. Um, and we're not going to discuss. Like, what did Holt say about TJ? <laughs> we're not going to discuss the columnist from the <laughs> local newspaper that I missed because um, Mr. Trump, uh, full time to respond. DJ LeMay, who's batting title. Um, 
I, I, and I'm not, we're not going to discuss the, uh, the, um, the columnist at the newspaper either, because those two, those aren't serious opinions and they don't count. Um, but there was a good deal of national conversation about is DJ LeMayhew's batting title flawed because of the decision that DJ LeMayhew did not make, but the decision right. to sit him for a considerable stretch of time down the stretch. He had two at-bats in the final five days of the season, basically right. to cement the batting title, which is a similar thing that Walt Weiss did with Justin Morneau back in 2014 when he sat him for most of the final weekend of the season in order to preserve his title over Josh Harrison, who was playing in every game and the Pirates into the playoffs. The other Jay Hay. Yes. So this is a Walt Weiss special. Um, and it is interesting because Daniel Murphy, who was leading for most of the season, it turned out to be a pretty good race in the second half between Murphy and LeMahieu. Uh, Murphy, uh, he's been shelved with a sore buttocks, which is what uh, our uh, official injury <laughs> terminology says, which is hilarious to me. Um, yeah, sore, uh, sore butt. Uh, so he hasn't played much at all since about September 17th or so. So his average was kind of static at about 348 or 347. He ended at 347. DJ ended at 348, cementing himself for that batting title. But yeah, the funny thing is that after all that, DJ LeMahieu played in more games, had more bats, and got more hits than Daniel Murphy did this year. And yet everyone's crying about DJ LeMahieu making a decision that was not his own and then winning a batting title because of it. DJ, 192 hits and 552 at-bats this year. Daniel Murphy, 184 hits and 532 at-bats. Um, DJ also drew 66 walks this season. Uh, now, of course, yes, Coors. Yes, obviously, the conversation is going to be about Coors. But it's almost refreshing that the conversation is more so uh, about him sitting than it is about Coors. Now, DJ's splits... At home in 76 games, he batted 391 uh, with an on-base percentage of 473 and a slugging percentage of 591. That's an OPS of 1064 on the road. Still pretty damn good numbers. He batted 303, yeah. 353, 395 for 747 OPS. So, yes, he was magnificent at home. He had 110 hits at home this season. But that doesn't take away from how good he was on the road. No, not at all. And I don't know. I don't know, man. It's to it, me. It, he didn't make the decision. It shouldn't be. No. Is it? Is it a chicken shit thing to do? Absolutely. It absolutely I, I is. So. DJ yeah. Lemayu hit all damn season. Why take him out? Yeah. And not only that, but Walt Weiss. I, you know, we we gave him plaudits for the fact that he's a he's been a major leaguer. He knows what it takes. Whatever it is, then knowing that competitive fire, why would you want to take the bat out of a guy's hands when he's chasing the batting title? I just don't I don't that. get and I don't get that. That is a that's a chicken that's a garbage yeah. way to do it. But yeah, does I it cheapen agree. and I'm sure DJ LeMahieu, you know, right. I'm sure he wa he would want to play those games if he was given the opportunity, but and that's the thing too. I even looked to see if there was some kind of clause in DJ's contract where hey, if he wins the batting title, he gets 5 million dollars. Right. And I didn't see one. Uh, cuz that that would be an interesting way to do it. Um if what Weiss just one final screw you to Monfort as he knew he was going to be a sitting duck anyway, make you pay, usually make you $5 million more million or that would have been you know, pretty whatever great, along those lines. Actually. I did not see an incentive-laden contract in that respect for DJ LeMahieu, but 
Yeah, I'm listen, when it when it happened when we saw and realized what Walt Weiss was going to be doing, we ripped it on Twitter. We're still not happy about it because it's it's let him let him finish it out on the field. It's not DJ's fault. Everyone's blaming DJ LeMayhew. Stop blaming DJ LeMayhew. That's the thing. That's you gotta you gotta stop blaming DJ. It's not his like, fault. He was sat by his manager. Right. If it's if it's DJ's thing, if DJ was hitting three forty eight and went to Walt Weiss and said, I don't want to go the rest of the week because I want to make sure that I win this batting title, then sure. Then it's a conversation. DJ didn't make that call, so it is a non-starter to me. It's awful. This is such an awful topic that people have to bring up at all. But, you know, here we are because uh, ESPN decided they were going to talk one time about the Rockies and it was so they could dump all over DJ LeMahieu's batting title. Um, yeah, so well, that's nothing really new there. Something. Yeah. yeah, nothing new there. Nothing new. Um, so uh, uh, let's. I I believe that we have some uh, some questions that we can get to here. Yeah, old, why don't we rock some of those? PDP, uh, which you can tweet to us at Purple Dinocast, and we also have an email account somewhere on the internet, Purple Dinosaur Podcast at Gmail dot com. Um, and uh, yeah, let's get uh, let's get things I, started. Yeah, oh, I, go I, I gotta go say go the. What we've kind of created, this monster, this beautiful monster we have created beautiful on the tweet machine yeah. over this this last year, um, the beautiful Hunter Pence tweets, yeah, that uh, that we have put forth onto everyone, and now everyone is is doing their own Hunter Pence tweets, right? And every time we see it, we're like proud fathers, and yeah. it's wonderful. Uh, if nothing else comes from this season, those Hunter Pence tweets did, and yeah. you know. At some point, thank God the Giants won that game tonight because you're going to get a lot more Hunter Pence tweets during that Cubs-Giants series. That's for damn sure. Um, Hunter we're, we're, Pence. We're glad you enjoy them, that's for sure. That's that's the most. That's the biggest thing. We're glad you enjoy them because we enjoy doing them. This was our, our very first one, um, and it came all the way back. Our, actually, our very first tweet about Hunter Pence was from April 23rd of 2014. That was in season number one of the PDP in which we said, quote, Hunter Pence will never not be the most awkward looking person on any baseball field, which is still true. That's still accurate. Um, and then we tweeted a lot about, you know, later that season when somebody stole Hunter Pence's scooter. And we tweeted about that. <laughs> and we tweeted about him a little bit last year. But this year, the very first Hunter Pence tweet that we came out with was on April 13th. And it was, quote, Hunter Pence, the awkward boy down the street your mom forced you to hang out with because he had no other friends with a nice run and grab. That was on the 13th. (laughs) The next one was Hunter Pence, the theater club guy who tried out for the baseball team while wearing his only good pair of jeans with a decent throw there. (laughs) The next day, Hunter Pence, a residence advisor who blasts blurry by puddle of mud when he thinks everyone is at class with a nice little infield single. Um, and then my personal favorite came the next day. I didn't realize that I peaked so early, but um, this is April, <laughs> April 14th. Peaking early, the Tyler Mon story. <laughs> uh, on April 14th, quote, Hunter Pence, a bike mechanic who smells like garbanzo beans and has been in college for nine years. A little mixed up on that line drive. Um, that yeah. was my favorite one. Uh, I've only recently gotten to doing them because you were in, yeah. in, uh, you were in New York last and you week. Really, and was- you really – knocked some out of the park you did pretty damn well <laughs> pretty damn well because i handled I'm, it I'm, i think your first hunter pence tweet was yes yeah, september 27th hunter pence the human personification of a square peg in a round hole takes herman marquez deep yeah yeah 
I was, I was pretty damn good. That was your first I'm one. I'm glad I could, I could so definitely pick up the slack. So somebody asked us, who does these? So I started it, but Anthony, for the last couple of weeks, has just been killing these. Um, Hunter Pence, whose Match.com profile lists his talents as competitive vaping, waves at strike three from Tyler Chatwood. That one's brilliant. This one has 41 likes. Hunter Pence, a garbage pail kid, wished a life by a boy from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, left on deck as the Giants lose two to nothing. This is fantastic. God, we really, oh, man. Yeah, we we uh, we really created something here. We really came up with something. Yeah, we're, we're, yeah. But keep, now. Keep coming, guys. We'll retweet our Yeah. Papers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can join in, but now, like, I feel so much pressure to keep this rolling. And the thing that's crazy oh, yeah. too is like every time Nick Stellini retweets them or Travis Aranderos retweets them, we have now this like big pressure to to come up with. By we got to keep doing it. Did I say Travis Sarandaros, yeah, hey, by the way? Sarandos is his last name, not Sarandaros. Sarandos, yeah. I threw in an extra yeah. syllable. But now I feel like it, there's so much. Like, we had, they had nine nine people followed us today after Just Nick and Travis and, uh, and Aaron were retweeting those. I'm terrified now. Oh, there's one yeah. lady who just keeps going through favoriting and retweeting all of them, too, which is fantastic. I mean, yeah, we, <laughs> we got to bring our A game now. Yeah, no more of this waiting in the weeds. That's kind of why I was hoping they would lose. And then maybe by 2017, people would forget, or at least I'd have the offseason to draw up new ones. This is that's a lot of pressure now. It sure is, but I think we're up to it. We're, nah, that's we're not up to it at all. We're not, we're not up to it. This thing is made, <laughs> we're just we're hanging on by a thread at all yeah, times. We really um, are. So uh, let's go with some other uh, let's go with some other questions um, from tonight on the old Twitter machine. Um, this one is from our good pal, Nick Stellini. Quote, would Dinger have given up a Dinger to Connor Glaspie? Now, I responded and said, is the game being played at Coors? If you fell asleep right. last night, you didn't you didn't catch it. Connor Glaspie belts a three-run homer, sends the Giants to the NLDS. Um, would Dinger have given up that Dinger? I'm going to say know. yes, but I, I want your, re- your answer and why. Well... I think it would have been hard for him to give up that dinger because he would have been behind home plate trying to distract Gillespie the entire time. Huh. It's an interesting theory. Yeah. He would have somehow kept it. He would have taken off one of his legs, like ripped off one of his legs, kept the foot on the rubber so as not to depart from the actual rules of baseball and then thrown it ball from behind home plate just to confuse Gillespie. Okay. But that's that's dinger's jam. That's true. Um, Dinger, the front-running mascot, as Steve Perthume of the D-backs crew calls him. Yes. Um, my my thing is, okay, let's say if he's not allowed to be behind the plate. Let's say he has to be on the mound. Um, you know, he's a dinosaur, short arms-ish. I think it's a very He's a cumbersome... dinosaur, he's going straight spitball. Slobber ball. Yeah. More. That slot like they slobber a lot. No, I don't think so. Oh, um, but uh, no, I think you know, short arms. I think he probably leaves one out over the plate and it gets hammered. So I, I would say yes, Homer at Coors probably a Homer at City Field. I mean, he's a Triceratops. He's not a T Rex. Yeah, but have you seen him in that costume? Like, it seems like it's very difficult to move in that thing. Yeah, but I think he's gonna have more than an Ephus pitch in his. I mean, arsenal. not a not a costume. He's a real dinosaur. People, sorry. Yeah, kids listening. Yeah. Jeez. 
Oops. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> there are kids listening, Cam. <laughs> uh, we need to talk to your parents. Yeah. Because... Very much so. Or maybe Cam, call social services. Cam, your dad follows us on Twitter, so we can we can certainly <laughs> talk to him. Um, yeah, no, if there are kids listening to this podcast, you were doing parenting very wrong. Um, so stop doing that. Um, now, we'll go one phony question and then one real question. But this is a question that uh, really kind of I've thought about it and then I've continued thinking about it. And it is in the same vein as is a hot dog a sandwich. But for Matt Hansen, is cereal a soup? Now, I say no, and I'm going to tell you why. And this is the off-season content that you have to look forward to for the next six months. So all you jackasses. Get, get Craig Goldstein on. Compl- yeah. <laughs> I know. We're only about a month and a half away from Craig's, Craig's Thanksgiving pie, pie breakdown. get this question answered. Yeah, yeah, that's true. We could. My my thing with this is no, because soup is a collection of ingredients that are made and cooked together, and it involves a cooking process cereal you're just mixing two things and eating it right away so to me no cereal is not a soup and i mean i know this you know i think you you mostly need some kind of broth i know there are obviously some soups where there's like you know water whatever but i don't know yeah like there could be milk i guess there's cream based soups but yeah i think more like a broth or a watery base for a soup Right. And yeah, and I, I don't think that milk really falls under that. There are, you know, milk is an ingredient in some soups, of course, but no, I, I'm going to say no on this. Yeah, I'm going to agree. I will also think about it, and I will not say that my answer is definitively, definitively what I will think for the rest of my life. Let's just say that. You think you could evolve on this position? Is what I you're think saying? I very much could evolve in this position. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm a. I'm a new school kind of politician, you know. Okay. I, whenever I think something is not necessarily what I'm thinking the rest of my life, you know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Run for president um, in five years. Didn't know are you even going to be old enough? You got to be 35, dude. I thought it was 36. Oh, what? Why would it be 36? That's just a random I'm number. Old too. You can't rent a car until you're 24. That's a random number. But you can. You just have to pay a lot more. How old and it's 25. President. What the hell are you doing? Yeah, 35. <laughs> What the hell are you talking about? But the problem with your candidacy is uh, you were born in Kenya. Oh, yeah. No, I know. I went to Kenya. And I that demand was your I long just went to birth certificate. Yeah, there are a lot of people who, who go to Kenya to uh, become president. I demand it. Wait, you didn't actually go to Kenya? No. Oh. God. You're For dead. a second, I thought maybe I just didn't know that one time, like in college, you went on a safari or something. That would have been really cool. What the we would have just spent the rest of the podcast talking about that. Can you move on? <laughs> okay, real question, also from Matt Hansen. Quote, but seriously, who should play first next year? Ooh. I added the next year, but that's what he's referring to. Who should yeah, play first base? Because that really is the only question mark right now. The only question the mark for the 2017 year, yeah. Colorado Rockies is who plays first base, which, had you said that five, ten years ago, you would never have thought to be the case because not only was Todd Helton obviously a stalwart, everybody knew his career was going to come to an end someday, but – the Rockies always seemed to have somebody waiting in the wings behind him, whether it was Ryan Sheely or Joe, Joe Kashansky or whoever it was. They always seemed to have that guy who was there and then was just never going to get a shot. They don't have that guy right now. So who's it going to be? Well, the uh, the interesting case would be one Matthew Holiday. Yeah. Considering he yeah. and his time with the St. Louis Cardinals is now coming to an end. Uh, 
if he played some first base, I think only 10 games at first base this year for the Cardinals. First time he's ever tried to, to make it over there at first. Um, he would be a very intriguing candidate. See if he still has a little bit left in the tank. See if he can get some Coors home runs. Uh, you know, get the old band back together. He could show some veteran leadership for an up-and-coming team with a chance to make the postseason once again. I don't know. I think that'd be a very, very interesting guy to bring in as long as you can bring him in for a decent amount of money. Yeah, I, I mean, know. it would have to be a good price. Right. Um, it would have to be maybe like something like even like Mike Napoli did this year with the Indians, like one year, seven million. Yeah. Something along those lines would be you would almost have to take it because Matt Holiday, yes, he was hurt this year. If he puts a clean bill of health forward, I don't know. I think that's that's a very intriguing possibility. Matt and Holiday want to resign Mark Reynolds. I don't know if that would move the needle much. Uh, Stephen Cardulo had some flashes, but you're not sure what you have long term with him. A uh, great story, but not sure what it's going to take for next year to get him. Uh, a full season of at-bats. Um, I don't know. There's not really anybody in the system, save for Ryan McMahon, who has really gotten a, a, some work over there at first base. You can look at as a potential first baseman of the future, at least uh, who is close to the big leagues. But I don't think Ryan McMahon is ready to come up to the big league level just yet. He struggled some in double-A this year. Um, he's not quite ready. Maybe a little more seasoning, maybe half a year. We might be able to see Ryan McMahon up in the big leagues middle of next year. But, I don't think that's the case right now. And going into next year, I don't believe they view Ryan McMahon as big league ready yet. No, certainly not. Um, he struggled a little bit this year with double-A Hartford, at least thankfully. And there's a, an actual news item we can give you. The Hartford Yard Goats announced that work will resume on their ballpark, Dunkin' Donuts Park, at downtown Hartford. So that will be ready, uh, quote-unquote, for the uh, 2017 <laughs> season. And that, you would think – would help players adjust a little bit better to double A rather than being God, on the road the entire so, yeah. damn year. Road goats. But um the uh yeah, the Matt Holiday thing is interesting because Ryan McMahon's not gonna be ready just yet. Um and yeah, I don't think, you know, Ben Paulson isn't your solution. I don't think Jordan Patterson is your solution at first base. Um Ryan McMahon is such a good athlete that I think he is eventually gonna be your long term solution there. Uh but Man, Matt Holiday would be a very intriguing guy to bring back and would be a pretty cool storyline, too. Um, Holiday spent five years here, of course, was traded in the offseason between the 2008 and 2009 seasons, and he netted some dude named Carlos Gonzalez in that trade um, who I don't know if, if I don't know if anybody ever heard of him again. Never heard of him. I don't know. Ooh, that is actually. By the way, I remember being very high on Greg Smith, who they also acquired in that deal. <laughs> I was like, uh, you know yes. what? Greg Smith seems like he could be pretty good. Not really. Greg Smith um, was not that great. But Matt Holiday, the issue, you know, as Anthony noted, is his health. Matt Holiday has only played in 183 games combined over the last two seasons. Um, but even this year, I mean, he played in 110 games. He still hit 20 homers. Yeah. Um, you know, he slashed 246, 322, 461, 782 OPS. If you can get that guy healthy and get him to Coors Field, he's still an offensive threat. Is that your worst, you know, as a placeholder for 2018, 2019 when Ryan McMahon's going to be ready or whoever it is? I don't think it's your worst option. No, it's not at all. You got him a I cool think, homecoming. Yeah, and I think it would, a lot of Rockies fans would be really excited about seeing Holiday back with the team. It's not like he left the team under Rockies right. circumstances. I mean, he was traded. He was probably not going to resign. I think. Remember that? Didn't they give him or offer him some kind of contract? And but it was a little bit underwhelming. It was like six for ninety or something like that. Yeah. And he wanted seven for one twenty. Whatever. Whatever he actually got from the Cardinals, I believe he got. I think he got seven for one twenty. Um. 
and then he said he wasn't going to resign, or Boris said he wasn't going to resign, and then they shipped him off. One of the the good trades that O'Dowd made. Yeah, one of the rare honest. the rare good DOD trades. Just considering they got Gonzalez, you know, cargo back, but yeah, I, I think that would be a fun thing to go into opening day next year. There's going to be a lot of excitement coming in with the Rockies next year. Yeah. In the off season, even, even if they do nothing in the off season, there's still going to be a lot of excitement going into spring training next year for Colorado. Even if they do absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's, you know, we haven't been in that circumstance for quite some time. Um, And that's pretty cool. Um, So, it's a possibility. Keep an eye on Matt Holiday. It would not be it would not be the craziest thing in the world to see. No, him. not at all. Um, the uh, we did get this question in from uh, our good pal Judy. Um, can you spend five minutes on Drake LaRoche, please? <laughs> I need a laugh. Oh my God, Drake oh, LaRoche. One of those ridiculous stories I've ever heard. What the hell? Why? Why? Why the hell is this happening? If you didn't hear today, uh, the Nationals announced that both Drake and Adam LaRoche. Uh, will be the LaRoches. The, the, the first pitch of the game one or game two of their NLDS matchup with the Dodgers at Nats Park. You know, uh, it would have been way better because, because the White Sox and Jimmy Rollins and Todd Frazier were like, ah! seriously, can, can your kid like screw off? <laughs> can, can your grown adult I son, can't like, bring... <laughs> screw off? <laughs> Don't ever talk and to so me and my like, son again. Screw it. I'm going to retire. And so he retired. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, in case you forgot. The dumbest story in the history of baseball this past spring training. Yeah, Adam LaRoche used to just bring his grown-ass son to the clubhouse every goddamn day. And finally, from the sounds of it, a bunch of players went to Kenny Williams and were like, dude, what is the deal with this? Like, doesn't this kid go to school? And then Adam LaRoche was like, we don't believe in school. (laughs) He's homeschooled. My homeschool him. He's going to grow up in a ranch. He's going to be slaughtering them cows and shooting things and vote Trump. And um, so then out of the roach, when they just said, like, hey, maybe leave your child at home once in a while, Adam LaRoche said, absolutely not. I'd rather retire. And so the White Sox um, went, um, okay. <laughs> so I went, oh, wait. So, like, we won't have to pay you the money that you were owed? Okay. Well, they owed, like, $12 million, I think. Yeah. Right? Something like that. Saved him a ton of money. Um, yeah. But that was the single dumbest story, arguably – in the history of baseball. Now, Adam LaRoche, aside from being like a, a seems like a fairly detestable human being, like somebody who I really, really would not enjoy. Um, he's also a bad baseball player over the last couple of seasons of his career, but he did put together a couple of decent seasons. Oh, yeah. Man. And he put oh. together a couple of decent seasons for the nationals. He finished sixth in the MVP voting in 2012. Adam LaRoche, and he won a gold glove and a silver slugger. What? 33 and 100, 271, 853 OPS, 35 doubles. Yeah, decent That's year. That's nuts. And then Take the next year he came playoffs. back, and he batted 237 with a 735 OPS um, with 13 fewer homers and 38 fewer RBIs. But, uh, but you know, then even in his final season with the Nats, he really wasn't that bad. 817 OPS, 26 homers, 92 RBIs. And then he went to the White Sox, and he was just atrocious. Oh, God, and the White awful. Sox signed him to a pretty big deal. Probably a two for 25, even like for a – For Adam LaRoche, for a 35-year-old, yeah. yeah. For a 35-year-old first baseman, pretty decent. But, yeah, so then came the news that um, – Apparently, LeVon Hernandez will throw out the first pitch before game one, and then Adam okay. and Drake LaRoche before game two Christ. will throw out the first pitch. And the Washington Post story has a picture of Adam LaRoche 
at spring training and then little shit grinning sniveling Drake LaRoche who with this picture looks like he's I don't know seven and still has such a punchable face like as the ultimate punchable face for like an 11 year old but um this is just like what a what a coup by the Nats to be able to to bring back old Drake I thought he was yeah. I thought he was lost to us forever well I, you know let's get Adam Eaton to weigh in on this you know because he was the one who tweeted out or his quote was you know <laughs> hey well we didn't just lose a friend in drake we lost a leader in drake we laroche lost a leader in this in the 11 year old man <laughs> no longer allowed into the clubhouse holy cow um, lost a leader and then they went 23 and 10 to begin the season and they were like oh who needs a leader and then they went and lost like 70 percent of their games the rest of the year so maybe uh, it was drake laroche's fault Man, Maybe Adam oh, Eaton man. really did lose the leader. Um, Bryce Harper at the time also tweeted, quote, good for you, Roach. Nothing like father and son in the clubhouse. It's a family game. Hashtag family first. What? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, no thanks. I hope, I hope Drake LaRoche throws out the first pitch. And Yasiel Puig races to the plate and hits it 900 feet over the wall <laughs> and bat flips to the goddamn sky. That would be the greatest moment in the history of sports. I would if they if they just released Puig on the spot, it would be so worth it. Uh, it would be worth it. So and the Rockies pick up for next year. And play yeah. <laughs> God, it'd be so worth it. Um, so yeah, Drake LaRoche is back in the news. That's Good. something. That's um, and, uh, yeah, I think, I think that wraps it up. Um, there is one yeah. question, um, that I do want to get to just because it hits so close to home, but Mark Davis, his question is, why do I fear commitment? And, uh, Mark, I'm going to point Mark, you, yeah. I'm going to point you to, um, to the bio of the old purple dino cast on Twitter, which says, um, in so many words, quote, because pain makes you know you're alive. That's <laughs> what so we're going to leave you with. I didn't know that was there. That's so what we're going to leave you with. <laughs> I just changed it up sporadically to see if anybody will notice and nobody else notices. Uh, the answer is no. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. <laughs> I called the, the NLDS the semifinals because I'm too used to writing minor league playoffs, and we talked about Hunter Pence jokes for 20 minutes and argued about also, what can the, be a base for a soup. Wouldn't the semifinals be the championship series? Or the league well, semifinals. The league semifinals, yeah. Because okay. we get like the league semis in like the PCL and the International League, right. and the league championship series, and then there's the Triple A national championship game. Congratulations to the Scranton Wilkesbury Rail Riders. But yeah, no, I'm way I'm way too. And the other thing that's annoying, and you remember this, some leagues it's finals and some leagues it's championship series, and that is also dumb. And then in the California League, they have a mini series before the semifinal series which is kind of like they're playing like for the wild card it's just all complicated but it's yeah. over now i don't have to worry about it for another 11 yeah. months so have fun that'd be great that'd be great okay william wallace <laughs> all righty uh until next week in episode number 90 of the purple 90. dinosaur podcast wow. buy our shirts purple dinosaur podcast dot big cartel.com you can get in touch with the show anthony's on twitter he's at master tones i am at tyler mon and we are also uh at the old email box purple dinosaur podcast at gmail.com and that'll do it talk to you next time bye, bye.
All right, now um, I got to pack my life. Yeah, I'm not packed all that. yet. So. Wait, where is this wedding again? <laughs> Charlottesville, Virginia. Mm. Yeah, so we got to take a red eye to Enjoy DC tomorrow that. night. Uh, rent a car, drive a couple hours, drive through Potomac, basically. Oh, cool. Uh, which is going to be great. We haven't talked uh, AFL, by the way. I just realized that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But Here, we'll put this into the, as the as the hidden track. Ryan yeah. McMahon's the only one you need to worry about in the AFL. Maybe Jerry Vasto. Okay, you're covered. But only because of DC, or because of uh, Bobby. Yeah, only yeah. because Bobby. Bobby's been on him since the, the Bobby train left the station. Yeah. What? That didn't even make sense. Oh, you're weird. Okay. Okay. Enjoy your weddings. Not not your wedding, but enjoy the wedding well, you're attending. My wedding's coming up too. I mean, in a year, you're not invited. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see how long I can hold out before I started laughing. At you. <laughs> Goodbye, you Anthony. Did you? <laughs> lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.